Maybe you don't understand me with my Belfast accent. Luckily, we have notes that you can follow every week on the YouVersion Bible app. If you're saying, what did he just say? I can't work out what he's saying. Well, you can go on to the YouVersion Bible app. You can go on to more, go on to offense and click Lighthouse Dublin. And all my notes will be there. So if you don't understand or you need a translation, it's going to be in the Bible app. But before I start off, I want to welcome everyone online watching this here for everyone watching online. It's great to see you. We're glad you tuned in. And we're also glad for everyone that turned up and decided I'm going to be in the building today. I'm going to turn up and church. So I'm glad to see a lot of smiling faces today. And I want to bring a short thought and I want to title it Break the Cycle. I'm not going to spend too long, but we're going to talk about breaking the cycle. And I want to start with a question. Then this question might be a bit obvious, and I probably already know the answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Has anyone ever been tired? Have you ever been tired? I'm sure we've all felt tired at some stage, and there's so many reasons for us to be tired. Maybe you're one of those crazy people that when I'm in my bed wrapped up warm, you're on the night shift. We salute you if you work the night shift. I couldn't do it. But there's some people, maybe you're tired because you were on night shift and you came straight here to church. Incredible. Or maybe you're a parent with a young child. We don't have kids yet, but I know it's hard to look after children. So maybe you're tired because children just make you tired. And you maybe had to get them all ready and their hair nice and tight or whatever you do with hair. I don't know. Whatever you do with kids to get them ready. You got them here and you got them here. And we're glad to see you. Or maybe you just stayed up late. The Super Bowl was on two weeks ago. I got to bed at 4 a.m. I was tired the next day. So maybe you just decided, you know what? I'm going to watch the next episode. And then the next episode becomes the next episode. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've just stayed up late intentionally or unintentionally. Or maybe you're part of this amazing team called our dream team. And you got here early to set up. And you had to lift the stage and you had to lift the speakers, plug in things, lift the lights. We want to, let's hear for our dream team. How incredible are they? We wouldn't be able to have this experience if it wasn't for our dream team setting up this stage. I can only stand here because of our dream team. So maybe you're tired this morning. Or maybe you've just got a lot on your plate. Maybe you're trying to juggle everything and spin plates and life just seems to be all go. Maybe that's why you're tired. But you know what even worse than being tired is? Do you ever go to bed, wake up, and you're still tired? Have you ever woke up still being tired? And when you're tired, you make decisions or you do things that you wouldn't normally do when you're rested. Maybe you've experienced the head drop where you're trying to listen and your head's slowing. And then you get that jolt. Have you ever experienced that where you're trying to pay attention and all of a sudden your eyes are going, your head's going, and then you get that jolt and it brings you back to life. A bit like this in church. Boom. He's wide awake again. Maybe you've experienced that. Or maybe you've went to the effort of going to the cinema, buying your ticket, buying your food, and you're tired, but you've slept through the movie. Have you ever done that? You wouldn't know if you're going to pay for something normally you enjoy. Because you're tired, you've wasted your money, and you don't know what happened in the movie. Or maybe you've wasted time when you're tired because you're on autopilot. You're trying to go one way, but because you're tired, you're not thinking about it, and actually you end up somewhere else. Because you're used to driving this route, but actually you were supposed to go that way. Has anyone ever wasted time on autopilot? Or maybe you've said something that you shouldn't. You have those things in your head, and you're just like, I wish I could say that. But when you're tired, sometimes what should stay in here comes out. 
Or maybe when you're tired, you've hurt someone. Maybe because you've less patience, you've hurt someone, whether with your words or any other way. Maybe you've hurt someone. Or maybe because you're tired, you've crashed into a van. Maybe that's just me. So we'll move on quickly. But maybe you've had COVID. One of the symptoms of COVID is fatigue. And maybe you get over the cough and you get over the temperature. But COVID-19 seems to just stick around and that fatigue just keeps going. But there's actually scientific evidence of, the evidence of what restlessness can do to our body. So this is the research. It actually says it slows down our thought process. So when we're tired, medically it slows down our thought process. And it also impairs our memory. So we can't, our memory isn't as good as it would be if we were rested. And tiredness also leads to making learning difficult. So that's why we send our kids to bed early so they can go to school and learn. And that's why some students don't learn as much as they should because they stay up late and they can't learn. But actually on a physical level, it actually leads to an increased risk of type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease and obesity. Now, I know about tiredness. I've experienced being tired, but I didn't think it could lead to other things, such as my thought process, my memory, my learning. But actually, on a physical level, it increases the risk of diabetes, cardiovascular, and obesity. But also affects us on a mental level as well, because it has an impact on our mood and our mental health. So tiredness isn't just, oh, I need some sleep. It actually affects us in so many different ways. And researchers find evidence that insomnia, which is the lack of sleep, preceded the development of not only depression, but also bipolar disorder, anxiety disorders. And the research also find a link between insomnia and the increased risk of suicide. So a lack of sleep can actually lead to poor mental health. And it leads to this vicious cycle of lack of sleep, and that leads to poor mental health. But poor mental health can also lead to a lack of sleep. So you're stuck in this vicious cycle of having a lack of sleep, which leads to poor mental health, but then that leads to poor sleep, and that leads to mental health, and you're stuck in this vicious cycle. And how do you get out of that vicious cycle? Well, researchers said in Biomedical Central, said rest, everyone say rest. Everyone say rest is the way to slow down or even prevent the vicious cycle of poor sleep quality and worsening mental health. So that vicious cycle of poor sleep, poor mental health, can be avoided, slowed down, or prevented by rest. And that's just one idea or one example of an unhealthy cycle. And there's so many unhealthy cycles that we go through. I wonder if you've ever been through the Christmas cycle. Have you ever been through? I love Christmas. Okay, Christmas for me starts the day after my birthday. And it is the 6th of September. So I start Christmas early because there's so many movies, so many songs to listen to, so much fun to be had. But the Christmas cycle is dangerous because we're so busy. And do you know what the best thing and the worst thing about Christmas is? There's always chocolate. There is chocolate everywhere. And it is acceptable to eat chocolate at breakfast at Christmas. So it's not great. And so maybe it is great or maybe it's not. There's chocolate everywhere. And then you're so busy that you can't fit everything in. You're going from this place to that place and this place. And the thing about those places is there's always food at Christmas. You can go to a party and there'll be food. You go to a friend's house and there'll be food. There's just always food about. And then the weather is nice and dark, so it hasn't got a great effect on our mood. And during Christmas, I was so busy that in our house in Belfast, 
I said, Anna, you can do anything in our house in Belfast, but I want one thing. I want a fridge that dispenses water and ice. I'm a simple man. Just give me my ice and my water because I love drinking iced cold water. But because we moved down to Navin, I had to surrender the fridge. And I'm working through that still and I miss my fridge. But now in Navin, my fridge is just constantly filled with tins of Coke. So I've went from drinking water all the time to now it's just constantly filled with Coke. And because Christmas is so busy, opposite our, um, in Nalvin where our staff meet in our office, there's a kebab shop opposite our office. And it's not even the best kebab shop in Nalvin, but because it's handy, that was becoming a bit of a cycle. And on top of that, I hadn't worked out in months. So maybe you find yourself in that Christmas cycle of, you're just always eating. You haven't worked out and you're, doing, you're going from place to place and you're super busy. But thankfully, in Lighthouse, we start the year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it's a great reset for not even just spiritually, but also physically as well. So I joined the gym. So I'm going to start going to the gym. And then I drink more water because going to the gym, I'm like, well, I might as well supplement it with something. So that has led me to choosing to drink more water. And that has led me to trying to eat more healthy. Even went out and brought an air fryer. I'm such an adult now. It's great. So I went out and bought myself an air fryer just to keep this healthy cycle going. But maybe you find yourself in an unhealthy cycle. Maybe you find yourself in an unhealthy cycle at work. Maybe you're stressed. Maybe you just keep saying yes, yes, yes. And now you've got so much to do that you're stressed. And then you go home and you stress about work. And then you go into work and you stress about work. And then you go home and you bring that work with you. And you just are in this unhealthy cycle. In work, Or maybe you're in an unhealthy cycle relationally. Maybe you keep going back to that person that you know isn't good for you. You keep just going back. No matter, It could be a various reasons why you go back to that person, but you know it's not healthy to keep going back to that person. So maybe you're in an unhealthy cycle physically. Maybe you haven't worked out in months. Maybe you're not eating the right things. Maybe that's a cycle that you're in. Or maybe you're in an unhealthy cycle mentally. Maybe you keep putting yourself down and you're telling yourself, I can't do that. I'm no good. Who am I? And it's that unhealthy cycle of putting yourself down. Or maybe you're a Christ follower here. Maybe you're in an unhealthy cycle spiritually. Maybe what started as, oh, I've missed one day of spending time with God and reading the Bible and soaping. Maybe that's turned into a week. Maybe that's turned into a month. And that cycle of what used to be a good, healthy cycle of spending time with God all the time has become an unhealthy cycle of, oh, I'll get back into reading the Bible when I have time. Or I'll spend time with God when everything starts aligning again. I'll, I'll give to church again once my finances are in order. But now we're in an unhealthy cycle spiritually. Or maybe you're in a cycle of finding peace in substances or things. Maybe you think, oh, I need some peace. Where can I go? And you go to things and substances and you try and find peace there. And that peace never lasts. Or maybe you're in an unhealthy cycle of spending more money than you're making. Each month you're, you think you have the money, and then the next month you're in your overdraft, and then you keep spending and spending and spending to try and keep up with the Joneses. And we get into an unhealthy cycle with our spending. Or maybe you're in a wasting time with social media. Has anyone ever used TikTok? Okay, it's one of the new social medias on the go. And I had to delete it. Because it's one of these things where they show a funny video and then it's just so easy to scroll through these videos. And if you like a video, 
They're really smart. They show you more videos that they think you will like. So then you're hooked on it. So then half an hour passes. An hour can pass. Two hours can pass. So I had to delete it. I went on it once and I just kept going. And I was like, right, can't have that in my life. Or maybe Instagram Reels is your thing. Or maybe Facebook and you just keep scrolling on social media. Or maybe if you're a Christ follower, you keep circling back to the same sin. It gives you that bit of comfort. It gives you that bit of stability. And you know it's not good for you, but it gives you that temporary peace that you're looking for. And again, I've mentioned as well, maybe you're a Christ follower and you've missed reading your Bible and soaping and spending time with God. Or maybe all of us have felt stuck in life. Maybe that's a cycle that you feel yourself in. Is this all life is? Do I have to work nine to five, eat, sleep, work, repeat? Is that all life is? And you feel stuck in life. Well, this morning I want to help us by answering the question, how can I break an unhealthy cycle in my life? So I want to help you. I want to help myself. How can we break an unhealthy cycle in our lives? And we want to look at a book in the Bible that so that shows in the book of Judges an unhealthy cycle that is repeated again and again and again. And in the book of Judges, we read about 12 judges who are people, they're military leaders that seek to find justice for their country. So that's why they're called judges, because they lead the people, they want to find justice. And even if you don't know the Bible, you might know Moses and you might know David. So the judges led in between Moses and David. So they led the people of Israel, the country of Israel, during this time. And they were military leaders that were raised up. But we see that there was an unhealthy cycle that was repeated again and again and again. The first part of this cycle is this. They, the people of Israel turned their backs on God and they started worshiping other gods. What does it look like to turn your back on God? Basically, they turned around to God and said, we've got it from here. I know what I'm doing. I'll take, I'll take the reins. We don't need you anymore. And they started making their own idols of wood and of stone and of gold and of precious metals. And they turned their back on God. So instead of worshiping the capital G God, they worshiped the small G God. So instead of, and instead of worshiping the creator, they worshiped the created. And secondly, in our list, they go from four nations defeating them, ruling over them, and impressing them. So four nations would come in. They would take all their cattle all their food, and any time crops came up, they took them as well. They left them in poverty. They left them hungry. They left them feeling humbled and embarrassed and felt like slaves. So they were, we'll take it from here, God. Then a foreign nation came in, and they took over. And then the next part of that cycle is they cry out to God. And we do that again. We cry out to God for help sometimes. And maybe you're here or watching online today. God And maybe you're saying, God, are you real? Are you here? Maybe you're crying out to God. Maybe you decided to come this morning and say, do you know what? I'm going to give God one last shot. Or I'm tuning in online and giving God one opportunity to speak to me. Well, I want to let you know that God hears you and God loves you. And God wants to speak to you. And even though you're crying out for help, he wants to let you know that he hears you this morning. And the next part of that cycle is that God hears their cries. Because God, in the Bible, he's promising us that when we hear, when we cry out, he will hear us. So that part of the cycle, God hears their cries and raises up a judge to lead the people. So he raises up a leader and they will lead the country. And the last bit of the cycle is during the life of the judge, the people of Israel remain faithful until the judge dies and the cycle starts over 
again. So this cycle, there's 12 judges. So this cycle is repeated 12 times in the book of Judges. And you would have thought, surely they would have learned their lesson. But we see this unhealthy cycle. And we do it ourselves. We get into cycles and we don't know how to stop it. But one, we want to focus on this morning on just one judge. And his name is Gideon. And he's quite a well-known judge. And he's one of the more well-known ones. And he's, as far as judges go, he's quite a good judge. But I want to look at the end of Gideon's story. So I'm going to sum up the start of Gideon's story. So it starts with Gideon hiding. Because this foreign nation have come in, in this instance, they're called the Midianites. So the Midianites come in, they take their cattle, they take all their crops, they're oppressing the people. And he's hiding. And while he is hiding, because he's scared, an angel of God comes to him and says, you're a mighty warrior and you're going to rule this country. And Gideon doesn't understand because he's thinking, well, I'm hiding and I'm afraid, but yet you're saying that I'm going to be a mighty warrior and lead this country. So he couldn't get around it. But actually, before he led the country, he had to lead himself. Before he had a public victory, he had to have a private victory. So Gideon starts his story and he's hiding and he's afraid. And then he takes this word seriously and he's like, right, I'm going to be a mighty warrior and I'm going to lead this country. So he goes into the community and just starts destroying the idols. So they've made idols of wood and they've made idols of gold and they're worshiping it. And maybe that's your pushback. And the people of Israel created these idols because they could see them. It was something that they could tangibly see and touch. And maybe that's your pushback for faith. Well, I can't see God, but I can see money. So I'm going to pursue success. I'm going to pursue money. I'm going to pursue fame because I can see it. And I can see how it works, but I can't see God. Or maybe your pushback is, I can't see God, but I can see people. I can see government. I can put my faith and trust in people that lead me through what I'm going through, but I can't see God. Or maybe a pushback is, I can't see God, but I can see me. So I'm going to look after my own life. I know what's best for me. So like the people of Israel decided that they were going to worship idols, things that they could see. Maybe that's something that we believe that because I can't see God, but I can see myself. I can see people. I can see money. That is where I'm putting my faith and trust in as opposed to God, the capital G, God. So he destroys the idols. People are angry with him, but he keeps leading the country and then that ends with war. And that's what Gideon's really well known for, being in a battle against 135,000 men. And he has an army of 300 people. So you can do the maths, the odds were not in his favor. He had a small army of 300 men, and the army had 135,000. But because God was on his side, he won the battle. And that's where we're going to start the story of Gideon today. But the rest of Gideon's story is incredible. It involves fleeces, jam jars, trumpets, drinking water like a dog. And you might think, how does that fit into one story? Well, go read the story of Gideon. It's found in the book of Judges. And you'll all make sense to you if you spend some time this week in Gideon's story. But at the end of Gideon's story, he's just defeated the Midianites. He's won. And the kings of the Midianites have ran away. They're trying to save their lives. And in this verse that we read, it tells us how what is happening with Gideon. So it says in Judges 8 verse 4, it says, Gideon and his 300 men, exhausted, everyone say exhausted. Exhausted, yet keeping up the pursuit, came to the Jordan. And crossed it. I come back to work some days and I'm exhausted. So never mind defeating an army of over a hundred thousand people. 
I'm sure Gideon is exhausted. But what this tells us is that every decision that he makes in this next sequence is because he is exhausted. So we know that if he makes a decision, it's because he's exhausted. So he's tired and he's exhausted and he's hungry. So he goes to the town, the next town as he's chasing the kings. And he says, can I have some bread for my men? And they say, no. So this is his response in verse 7. It says this, then Gideon replied, just for that, when the Lord has given Seba and Samana, which are the two kings that they are defeating, into my hand, I will tear you, your flesh with desert thorns and briars. So he's hungry. They've said no to giving him food. And he was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. So he goes on. He's still chasing the kings. And he comes to another town. Says, we're tired and hungry. Can we have some bread? And they again say no. And he replies to them. So he said to the men of Peniel, when I return in triumph, I will tear down this tower. So this guy is tired and he's hungry. And it reminds me of the Snickers ad. It says, you're not you when you're hungry. Has anyone ever seen that ad? You're not you when you're hungry. And there's an actual term for this and it's called hangry. Has anyone ever been hangry? It's anger induced by hunger. Do you know, maybe you know someone that you don't talk to them until they've had breakfast. Yeah. Or maybe you're in the restaurant and they're snapping at the waiter because they're really hungry and they want their food. Or maybe you've had a a hangry experience yourself. When you were hungry, you just weren't yourself. So Gideon wasn't himself because he was exhausted. He was hangry and he was just tired. So he told these guys what would happen. So he goes on, gets the kings, takes them captive. And he thought, I'm going to go back to these towns. And this is what happens. It says, he took the elders of the town, so the leaders of these towns, and taught the men a lesson. He taught them. Did anyone's parents growing up saying, I'm going to teach you a lesson? Do you ever remember those lessons? We didn't want that lesson, but we remember those lessons. So Gideon was tired, and he was hangry, and he was exhausted. And because he was exhausted and tired, he made decisions that he wouldn't normally have made. And he destroyed the towns, and some men died because of his decisions, because he was hangry and exhausted. And later on in the story, he gets home, and he's defeated the battle. And we're going to read a passage from Judges 8, starting at verse 24, or 22. And it says this, The Israelites said to Gideon, Rule over us, because you have saved us from the hand of Midian. But Gideon told them, I will not rule over you, but the Lord will rule over you. Next. Back one, sorry. And he said, I do have one request that each of you give me an earring from your share of the plunder because it was their custom to wear gold earrings. They answered, we'll be glad to give them. So they spread out a garment. Each of them threw a ring from his plunder onto it. The weight of the gold rings he asked for came to 700 shekels. Gideon made the gold into an ephod, which he placed in Ophrah, his town. All Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there, and it became a snare to Gideon and his family. So he goes home and asks for all this gold so he could make an idol. So he makes an ephod, and an ephod is a nice, fancy breastplate that's full of precious metal and precious stones, and it is of worth of great value. So they placed value in it, so they began to worship it, and it said it became a snare or a trap to Gideon. They made it because it was made of pure gold and it had fancy stones in it. They took their eyes off God and onto the glory and the gold. 
they decided to worship it. And we read that last phrase again. It said, they made the gold underneath it. It said, all Israel prostituted themselves by worshiping it there. And that's quite a strong term. They prostituted themselves. The idea that author's trying to get across is the idea of them selling themselves, their values, their dignity, their worth to something. And God values us and loves us so much that actually when we replace God, the big G God, with small false gods, he feels like we are selling ourselves to them. So that's what the idea they're trying to get across. They're selling themselves to something else. And it says it became a snare to Gideon and his family. It said it became a trap to Gideon. Because Gideon's decision when he was exhausted caused the cycle to continue. Gideon could have been the one to break the cycle, but because of the decisions he made when he was exhausted, he continued to cycle again and again. Imagine what Gideon's story would have looked like if he had rested. How different could that have been? Maybe he could have been the one to break the cycle. But that's what I love about the Bible. God doesn't use perfect people. Gideon's story doesn't end well, but God uses ordinary people like me, like you, to tell his story. So even though Gideon wasn't perfect, God used Gideon to tell his story. And he can do the same with us. In our healthy, on our healthy cycles and in our unhealthy cycles, God can still use us to write his story. And as exhausting, he repeated the cycles of generations before him. And when we rest, we take our eyes off ourselves. When we are tired, we focus on what's best for us at the time. When we're tired, we can't think about what's coming next. We can't think about the next week. We can't think about next year. We just think about what's best for us right now. We don't take feelings into consideration. We don't take circumstances into situation. When we're tired, we think, what is best for me right now? But when we rest, we take our eyes off ourselves. We can be selfless in that way. When we rest, we look forward with vision. And when we're tired, we act now without thought of the future. And Rebecca told us in two weeks' time, we're going to have Vision Sunday. And vision means we are looking forward to see what God can do through us. And that comes out of a place of rest. Every year, the staff go on a staff retreat. We look at what the year past has been like. We review it. We celebrate it. But then we take some time out of our normal routine. We pause. We rest. And we ask God what he wants to do through us in the future. And only then, when we're rested, can God give us a vision of where we're going to go. Imagine we just had our nine-to-five job as a staff team in church, and we just thought, oh, what's happening next Sunday? What's happening next Sunday? When we're tired, we act without thought of the future, because the best thing and the worst thing about Sunday is there's another Sunday in seven days. So in seven days, we're going to have to do church again, and in another seven, there's going to be church again. But thankfully, we are rested, and as a church, and Pastor Jamie's going to lead us with the vision. That comes out of a place of rest, because we can dream and see forward. Whereas if we were exhausted, we would think, what's best for next Sunday? What's best for the week after? How can we summarize this? We can summarize it like this. Restful is full of selfless. And being restless is full of self. When we're full of rest, we can think about other people. We don't think always about ourselves, but when we're restless, all we can think about is what is best for me right now. So when we're restful, we're selfless, but when we're restless, we are full 
of self. But I want to encourage you this morning that rest is available. Rest is available. Maybe you find yourself in a cycle, an unhealthy cycle. Maybe it's at work or spiritually or mentally or physically. Maybe you find yourself in a place of an unhealthy cycle. Rest is available. You don't have to be a young person. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to have a certain job. You don't need to be a certain type of person because rest is available for you and for me. So if you're feeling tired and you're feeling um, tired this morning and you're in a cycle of unhealthy cycles, I want to encourage you that rest is available for you. Rest is available for you. And in the book of Matthew chapter 11, verse 22, 28 to 30, Matthew wrote a gospel about Jesus. The gospel is the good news. We did a series on it called Euangelion, and you can find it online. Again, you can go back, but it's the good news about who Jesus is. Matthew was a tax collector, and he was one of Jesus' disciples. But why did Matthew write this book? He wrote it to mainly a Jewish audience to let them know what Jesus was really like. What was it like to spend time with Jesus? What did he say? What did he do? Well, Matthew wrote a book all about it to give us an insight of things that Jesus said and Jesus done so that we can see what Jesus was like. And he brings this amazing passage. And this is what Jesus says in the book of Matthew. So it says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What an incredible, encouraging passage. This is straight from the mouth of Jesus. Are you tired? Are you burnt out? Who wants real rest? It says, come to me. And we can see from this passage that rest brings three things. Firstly, rest brings clarity. It says, get away with me and you recover your life. Does anyone like getting away, even for a night, just to get out of a routine? It says, come away with me and you'll recover your life. What do you need clarity on? Maybe you've got a decision coming up. I can go this way or that way. Maybe you need some clarity on that. Maybe you need a life decision. Maybe it's a small decision, big decision. Where do you need clarity on? Or maybe you're skeptical about faith. Maybe you're thinking, is God real? I pray that he gives you that clarity of thought in that. And John Maxwell, who's an author and a speaker, says this, learn to say no to the good so you can say yes to the best. That's why we need clarity. We can have two great decisions. We can go this way or that way, and they're both good. But we need clarity to see what is good and what is best. So when we have rest, we bring clarity. Because when we're not rested, there's a fog in front of our face. We can't see ahead, but when we rest, it brings clarity. Second, rest brings company. It says in the passage, walk with me and work with me. Keep company with me. Who are you keeping company with? Are they encouraging you? Are they building you up? Or do they drain the life out of you? Who do you hang around with? And we believe that's so important. That's why we have connect groups in church, because we believe life is better connected Life is better connected. Who are you around? In our connect groups, we find a family. In our connect groups, we find people to connect to because we know that life is better connected. And when our company is good, they encourage us. 
They build us up and they can help us step out of unhealthy cycles. But if we've got bad company, they get us to repeat these unhealthy cycles. John Roon, the entrepreneur, says this. You're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Who do you spend time with? We've been doing youth ministry for about nine years now. And we always tell our young people, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Who are you spending time with? Who are you surrounding yourself with? And as Christians, we believe that spending time with God is so important. He promises that he will always be with us. But how often do we spend time with him? Do we walk with him and work with him? Do we keep company with him? When we find rest, it brings company. When we rest, we can spend time with God. Rest brings comfort. It says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Have you ever wore something that just doesn't fit? It's uncomfortable, and you're sitting all day, and you're trying to fix yourself, and you, you just, it just doesn't feel right. I used to have, I used to have a black suit. So when we were, when we and Anna were in a relationship, we had formals in school. So we went to a school formal, had a nice skinny fit black suit, okay? So back in school, I swam every day and I ran every week. So I was in peak physical condition. I've lost that now, but I used to be in peak physical condition. So I got a skinny fit suit when I was skinny. And then fast forward a year or two, I'm now working for my previous church and a funeral comes up and I was like, I have a black suit. So I'm at the back, I'm doing the sound, I'm doing the visuals, I'm doing all this. And it's a skinny suit when I was skinny, but I wasn't the, sk- I wasn't the same size working at the funeral. So there was something on the floor, maybe it was a cable or a microphone. And I'm sort of, they're so skinny, I can't move. And the button doesn't close either, so I can't sit down or I would look like this. And you know what it's like to wear something, maybe it's itchy and you're walking around all day, or maybe your sock has slipped from under your shoe. And you know what it's like to just be uncomfortable. Maybe you felt that. What is comfort? Comfort, it says this in the the dictionary about comfort. It says things that contribute to physical ease and well-being. And it says comfort is the easing or elevation of a person's feeling of grief or distress. So what is comfort? You know, rest doesn't equal sleep. When we think, oh, I need to be better rested. Rest doesn't equal sleep. Rest is something that contributes to your physical ease and well-being. Maybe you rest going to the gym. Maybe you rest just going out for a coffee, watching people walk past and just relaxing. Maybe you relax and rest by reading a book. What makes me rest is I love Lego. I love being creative and following a set set of instructions. So maybe it's Ikea. Love putting together Ikea furniture as well. So if you need me, shout. So I love, that's how I rest. I get to be creative and I get to follow the steps. And then there's a final product. But how do you rest? What eases or elevates your feelings of grief or distress? How can you rest this week? Ovid, the Roman poet who was around at the time of Jesus, said, take a rest. A field that is rested gives a bountiful crop. Now, I don't know much about farming, but what I do know is that if you overwork a field, then eventually the crop won't be as good as it could be. So they rest that field, and then a year later or so, they plant in it again, and it gives a bountiful crop. So when we rest, 
We have more energy to do the things that we were created to do. We are better at life when we are rested. But I want to ask the question, how will you rest this week? What are you going to do this week to rest? And maybe your pushback is, I don't have time for it. But hopefully you've seen the effects of tiredness and how good rest is. So how are you going to rest this week? Are you going to go out for a walk? Are you going to go to the gym? Are you going to get that cup of coffee and just sit and watch people and do nothing? Maybe it is just to sit. I love a spa day. I would love a spa day. Anna, nudge, nudge. So that maybe I can't rest like that this week. But how can you rest in your weekly rhythm? But actually, let's take a step back and look at life from a macro level. What would life look like if you were rested? How different would your life be if you were rested? Would you be a better person to be around? Would you be more patient? Would you be more kind? Would you be more productive? Would you be more friendly? Would you be able to step out of unhealthy cycles? How would your life look like if it was rested? And with rest brings clarity. What would your life look like with more clarity? What decisions would you make if you had more clarity? And we pray right now that if you don't know Jesus and you're not a Christ follower, that you have that clarity this morning of God loves me. That God can give me rest. That I can experience life and life to the full. What would my life look like with more clarity? And with rest comes company. What would my life look like? What would your life look like with better company? Do we have friends that encourage us and build us up? Do we spend time with God? When we spend time with God, it just changes our day, changes our life when we spend time with God. So what would our life look like with better company? And with rest brings comfort. What would our life look like, your life, my life look like with more comfort? When we take time to rest each and every week, whether it is just going for the walk, going to the gym, maybe getting into a healthy sleep cycle. How are you going to do that this week? And rest brings clarity, rest brings company, and rest brings comfort. So this, this morning, this week, this month, I encourage you to rest. I know we're all busy. We've got our jobs to do. We've got kids to look after. We've got a business to run. We've got places to be, people to see. But when we are rested, we have clarity. When we're rested, we have better company. And when we're rested, we have comfort. And to finish this morning, I'm just going to read this psalm to us. Because it tells us about God's rest. And I want to pray it over you. I want you to know that there is rest available for you. 